1: Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit KeepDreamingUp.net for tips and advice, whether you're just getting started or looking to grow. That's KeepDreamingUp.net. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, The Polsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic Strategist with the bipartisan firm Purple Strategies.
0: And I'm Kristen Soltis Anderson, co-founder of Echelon Insights and Republican Polster.
1: And each week, we're going to reveal the hidden secrets of the public mind, looking at the biggest polling stories driving news, politics, tech, entertainment, and pop culture. And welcome to all of our new followers. We have had a lot of new subscribers and followers over the last few weeks. So if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, usually, we're in a wonderful sound booth. Uh, right now, Kristen's on the road, and I'm on um, maternity break. So in my maternity break closet sound booth. <laughs> but, um, but we like to have a little little friendly bipartisan conversation about polls. So we're really glad you've uh, you've signed up.
0: This week's top lines brought to you live from the closet here in my room at the Sheraton in Columbus. (laughs) Uh, August is a weird month. (laughs) (laughs) Just ask President Fred Thompson. Um, Lots of 2016 polling this week. Uh, We'll look at some matchups that we haven't really seen before. Biden, Trump, Bernie, And more, Uh, is Trump actually electable and does it even matter? Um, Hillary Clinton also had a press conference this week about her emails. We'll take a look at her standing and whether or not the story seems to be sticking. We've also had a lot of immigration politics in the news. Do Republicans stand where Donald Trump does? We'll also take a look at polling around Planned Parenthood, um, the videos that have been released and whether or not they're affecting public opinion on Planned Parenthood itself uh labor unions may be back on the rise we'll look at some long-term trends in public opinion toward labor unions and then we will dive into a whole batch of crazy town uh donald trump versus frank luntz in a feud trump's comments to maureen dowd about the polling industry and finally pp poll takes the concept of the troll poll to the next level <laughs> testing the candidate these nuts I can't even believe I said that. I hope we still get to keep our clean rating on iTunes.
1: I think so. I think we'll just, you know, we just won't put it in the title of this episode. (laughs)
0: You know, it's been in, like, mainstream news broadcasts, so I'm probably just being a little bit prudish here. We could be
1: talking uh, about food allergies, you know? (laughs) We are. We
0: are talking about food allergies. And finally, what would you do for a friend? We will look at polling about the limits people say they have on just what they would do. Um, at the request of their friends.
1: So on the Democratic side, I mean, look, a lot of the major themes are the same, right? You still see Clinton ahead, obviously, in the Democratic primary. Sanders... Closing in somewhat, not overtaking her. When you look at national polling, you're going to see a similar wave uh, trend of what's going on with Trump on the Republican primary. So rather than slog through all of the polls that have come out, an incredible amount for August used to be, you know, people didn't want to poll in August, but there's an incredible amount going on right now. Um, on the Democratic side, there are a few themes. I mean, you still see the primary race narrowing a little bit, but I think uh, two other themes worth looking at. Um, uh, one is what's going on with Biden. Is Biden going to run? What does that mean? Are there polls suggesting that he would do well relative to Clinton, do well relative to the Republican field? And then uh, it, perhaps relatedly, uh, the Clinton email issue. It's been in the news for a while. It's back in the news, back in some polls. Is that playing a role in, in what we're seeing uh, in the polling on the left or is it more than that? One of the pieces of data from the last week or so that I found the most interesting was a CNN poll that showed um, division, you know, they asked about Sanders, they asked about Biden, uh, they asked Democrats, regardless of how you plan to vote, do you think, Sanders one question Biden another question would do a better job as president than Clinton worse or would there be no difference and basically it's a third a third a third I mean there's a little bit of difference but and there's not much of a difference between Sanders and Biden you know despite the fact that Sanders is uh you know not universally known and and nationally you know doesn't often some you know it gets merely no higher than 30 percent often lower nationally and Biden's you know unannounced so given all that I felt Found that pretty interesting. You know, it's consistent, I suppose, with strong Biden polling overall. Gallup shows voters, Democrats are divided as to whether Biden should run or not. More say Biden should run than say Warren should run, which is pretty interesting. Um, More say they would support him. His favorables have gone up, according to Gallup tracking. And, you know, in the general matchups from Quinnipiac, you know, Biden does almost as well as Clinton in three battleground states or about as well, depending on the state. Better if you're looking at Pennsylvania. I mean, I don't know. I think you look at all this. It looks like, you know, good news for Biden, potentially troubling news for Clinton. What do you think, Kristen?
0: Yeah, I take, I, I've taken a look at the um, the CNN national poll where they did just the fave-unfave of Joe Biden versus Hillary Clinton. Um, and just looking at registered voters overall, Biden is a net slightly favorable, um, 47 favorable, 46 unfavorable, which is a lot better than Hillary Clinton, who's only 43% favorable, 55% unfavorable. So the difference here, I mean, there's not like a big name ID difference here. Joe Biden does have 4% who say they've never heard of him. Um I suspect those people are not likely voters if you have never heard of the vice president of the United States. Um, But, you know, when you dig down into the crosstabs, Hillary Clinton actually does significantly both Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden do about the same among non-white voters. Right. But among white voters, it's very, very, very different that Hillary Clinton actually is viewed unfavorably by 63 percent of. White voters, and, and one of the reasons why that matters, why that what's your percentage with white voters thing is that, um, you know, Republicans in 2012, their whole strategy was, well, if we win 60 percent of the white vote, we'll we'll win the country. And that was wrong because the demographics of the country have changed faster than than those strategists suspected. Um, but Mitt Romney also did not hit 60 percent with white voters. He hit 59 percent. So it was like it was a failed strategy on two fronts. Right. Um, but if you have sixty three percent of white voters who are unfavorable to Hillary Clinton, that's not that's like a, that's kind of an interesting threshold. Um, meanwhile, Joe Biden he ha- is only viewed unfavorably by fifty two percent of of white voters. So Joe Biden does a little bit better. It's it would seem among kind of like white men,
1: yeah, um, than, I mean, than
0: Hillary Clinton does because there's also there's no real difference in their fave-unfave among women, but but there's a huge difference among men.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's almost two to one. She's essentially two to one uh, unfave to fave among men. It doesn't say white men, just men overall. Uh, it's almost, you know, it's basically single-digit difference between fave and unfave for Biden among men. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, Farina and how she's doing with men and women. I mean, you know, this is something that could be a partisan deal. This could be among Republican men. You know, we don't know what's going on here, whether this is just, a, you know, a blanket uh, view toward women candidates from men across the board. There's obviously a lot more than just this one crosstab to look at. But I think in terms of, you know initially when the news was out about Biden people thought oh Biden he's going to come back in um, but then now you see these polls after the fact and you know you could, you could make a case it's kind of a half full half empty case you know that, that uh, there's room for him here I mean it's certainly not hostile so I, I think that's kind of interesting development um, you know the other thing that people are talking about is you know the role of the Clinton email story and you know, I've always been of the opinion that it will take quite a bit of time and, it, you know, maybe uh, uh, this is too complicated of a story for really to have an effect on Clinton. Um, nonetheless, some of the recent numbers uh, it, are potentially, you know, cha- show this is a challenge for her. You know, Fox shows a majority say Clinton knowingly lied. Uh, You have a majority in the same Fox poll saying that Clinton probably put our national security at risk. Again, these are perceptions uh, that people have. Um, And then uh, a majority say that she probably did something wrong. That's more than the last time they asked it. Monmouth did a similar set of questions in their national poll. Uh, they show very big party differences, that this is really almost entirely driven by party in terms of you know how people view this, uh, but that Republicans in particular think that she has something to hide. Independents are more uh, divided, evenly divided. Uh, CNN had a poll uh, that showed, uh, the CNN poll was said she, uh, people thought she did something wrong. So there have been three polls over the last week that suggest that this is potentially challenging for her. the question Is whether it's a vote driver, whether it's the vote driver that's causing her softness in the polls. We don't know the answer to that. Just because you know correlation doesn't imply causation. The fact that you know there are polls out that show she's vulnerable on the emails doesn't mean that that's why you know she's having some of these you know quote unquote challenges vis a vis Biden or Sanders.
0: Right, and and part of the the good news for her, I guess, is that you still had in this um, Monmouth poll this test of, okay, why did she set up the personal email account in the first place? Which I, I think is is not necessarily the thing that that is going to be the thing that, that causes the most problems. But on this question, you still have a plurality of independents who say it was probably a matter of convenience rather than something to hide. Um, meanwhile, 68% of Republicans think the reason she set up the server was to hide something. Um, and only, only 8% of Democrats think that. So there is this huge party thing. But even 23% of Republicans think it was probably a matter of convenience. I don't suspect Republicans really think that that's – hey, you set up this server because you're trying to hide something. I, I think there are a lot of Republicans that think that may be the case, but they don't think – and the polls would suggest that's not the line of attack that that is the problem. It's I think this national security one um, may be the, the bigger problem. And, and that's why in right. the CNN one where you've got the trend line over time of – back in March, it was pretty split. 51-47, did she do anything wrong? Did she not do anything wrong um, by setting up the home-based server? But if it's a matter of national security, then you start seeing it widen and now you have a 17-point gap um, where you have 56% saying she did do something wrong, 39 saying she did not. So, you know, that's, I think... If it turns out that there's actually national security at risk, that could be the thing that causes much more problem. I'm curious, by the way, just from a, a like pollster curiosity perspective, when I take a look at this Fox release um, of their polling on the Clinton emails, so they had their first question, which was the longer one. Um, you may know that she did used a computer server to do government work, uh, She or she used a, a, a personal email on a computer server, blah, blah, blah. Do you think she knowingly lied? Then they have another question, but they only asked it two of the three nights that the poll was in the field. Did Hillary Clinton put our national security at risk by mishandling classified emails? That I, I'm so curious about that. That why in the middle of fielding they would stick this new question in the survey. Hmm. Um, so just from like a you know a pollster looking at something and kind of raising an eyebrow, uh, not from a methodological. I mean, I, I don't you would assume that if the sample's basically fine the, the second and third night, you know, you'll be okay. But, I wonder what caused them to, like, go back and add this question after the survey was already rolling.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe there was just something in the news that said, oh, we should need another follow-up. Or maybe they were looking at what other people were releasing, right? But, yeah, you're right. It's interesting. And in the end, it doesn't really they get basically the same results, you know? Right. Um, so there's no, there was hardly any difference between, between the two questions. I mean, still, you know, when I think of this issue, I think a lot of people are looking at, like, you know, what kind of server at home at the office and what's the difference between classified or top secret and when were they, when do they have those labels before, after the emails, you know what, I'm just going to look at this through the lens of how I feel about Hillary Clinton and, and really, mm-hmm. you know, and, and can't, uh, and with a lack of interest in parsing through the details of what the story is about. It's just, there's yeah. a lot of detail to it that, you know, you really need to be a computer or security or, uh, you know, uh, State Department geek in order to really be able to make heads or tails of.
0: Well, we, it'll be interesting to see if, since now we have two of these data points, at least I think in that uh, in that Fox poll, just about the was it wrong or not, um, to see if that number moves at all. Because if that number moves, is that number moving because people's attitudes about Hillary are changing? Or are people's attitudes about Hillary changing because that number's moving? We yeah. won't know which way the, the causality arrow necessarily points, but... Um, I'll be fascinated to watch her favorables and how they match up to that question.
1: Yep. No, we don't know. We, we certainly don't know. But the Republican side is where, as usual, <laughs> there's tons and tons of action because there's 17 candidates. I and mean, what do you think is go what, What's been going on this week, Kristen, on the Republican side?
0: So the last couple of polls have shown um, some improvement for Carly Fiorina, as you may remember before the last big debate. She um, she had, a, 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 you know, not a great deal of uh, name ID. She would often bring this up. And so she said, you know, once people get to know me a little more, I'll rise in the polls. And she was correct on that front. Um, 43% of Americans have never heard of Carly Fiorina and only and 10% say they have no opinion. But overall, she is a net favorable when almost everybody else uh, who has been polled is a net unfavorable. Um, on the other hand, that's probably because most of the people who have heard of Carly Fiorina are Republicans, people who watched that first, uh, the happy hour debate, you know, so her numbers could go up, they could go down. She's still got a lot of people that that have never heard of her before.
1: Um, But still, even, I mean, that said, still, I mean, if you look at the CNN poll, right? I mean, Trump is net unfavorable, clearly, even with his rise, he's still net unfavorable, especially when you look at all Americans, because Democrats and independents are unfavorable toward him. His numbers are not that different than Jeb Bush's, basically, you know, uh, mid fifties in terms of, uh, in terms of unfaves. Um, Walker's is just a hair net unfavorable. We'll talk about Walker. He's been suffering in the polls. John Kasich, you know, is even fave unfave? I'm, I you know, I don't really know what to make of that it, number. You know, those numbers of these stage. So really, it's you know, Carly Fiorina, at least of what's going on right now. Ben Carson's not in this list, um, but probably should be. Um, you know, it's just fascinating to me, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know, strong performance, as you said, that even I think Democrats and Independents can admire.
0: And right now, you've got um, Fiorina having moved up. She's not only you know in the the next the top 10 who would be going into the debate. I mean, she's actually, she's ahead of Kasich. She's ahead of Huckabee. She's ahead of, well, she's actually tied with Kasich um, and tied with Cruz, but then she's above Huckabee above Christie. Uh, and it seems as though Christie will be the one that, that is bounced from the next debate if they limit it to 10 and Fiorina maintains her position. So, um, and, and, you know, there's, there was other polling that we'll get to in a moment where, you know, there are an awful lot of Republicans who say they would never vote for Chris Christie, far outpacing the percentage of Republicans who say they are voting for Chris Christie. So he may, you know, the, the other big shift, I think, is that Chris Christie is going to have a tough, a tough slog of it. Um, wh- but the other big person who sort of had a rough go of it in the last couple of weeks has been Walker. His performance in the debate was OK. Nobody really thought he was the winner of the debate. And he started to slide, not just in polls um, nationally, but polls in Iowa. Um, and, you know, he's not winning on things like, you know, regardless of who you're voting for, who do you think can best handle the economy? Like, that's, that's not a strong suit of his. Um, you know, on any of these issues, it's not like people are looking at, at Walker and going like, yes, absolutely him. Um, and you've seen Walker, I think, try to associate himself a little bit with Trump. Um, because you see in this CNN poll on the issue handling stuff, 45 percent of Republicans think that Trump would be the best to handle the economy. (laughs) You've got 44 percent that think Trump would be best to handle illegal immigration. You have 32 percent who think Trump would be best to handle ISIS. So some of this is just the people who are picking Trump in the ballot are saying his name. But I mean, this is far outstripping his place on the ballot. On the ballot, Twenty-four percent of people pick him, but then on some of these other issues, I mean, forty-five percent say he's best on the economy. And I would love to know who those forty-five percent, if they weren't picking Trump on the ballot, who were they picking on the ballot? Because this is the big question: is right if, if, for whatever reason, this whole Trump thing dies down, everybody calms down, everybody, you know, this spins wildly out of control or whatever. Who? Of the other candidates, benefit will would benefit from a Trump implosion.
1: I know that's what we need. We need to see a second choice reallocation of a variety of folks, and you yeah, know, our- hardly hardly anybody ever releases that. But that's that's what we need to see to figure out where these Trump voters go, where do these other candidates go? People who say Trump, you know, is big in the economy. We've heard that in focus groups. I mean, people say, well, because he's rich, so people assume, therefore, he can. You know, make everybody exactly.
0: rich. Romney.
1: <laughs> but, you know, Fiorina does well on that question too. This is from CNN where they asked all, all those, a couple different issues. I mean, Fiorina comes in third there, but third is 6%, you know, 45% for Trump and, and 8% for Bush. And then, and then Fiorina. I mean, it's all pretty interesting. I mean, as far as Walker goes, he's, you know, mid pack to, to bottom tier in those issue questions in CNN. He, there was a story, I think it was a Washington Post where he said, you know, I'm going to try and be more like Trump. I'm going to show more passion. He got into a little, you know, he told off some hecklers uh, in Iowa, I think it was. I mean, he's really trying to show a little bit more pizzazz, um, which is something he's been, you know, a little bit lackluster in. His main issue, the thing that he's really best known for is uh, his fights with labor, Labor is actually doing, you know, while Walker's been softening, well, labor's been improving, according to Gallup. That shows, you know, for the first time in a while, a plurality say that labor should have more influence uh, than less. Um, you know, that's overall. That's not with Republican primary voters. That's with general election voters. So that's a different ball of wax. But. It's still, you know, I think potential you know, another potential uh, noteworthy thing. I mean, the the other thing in terms of issues, is you see, a lot of candidates now in this sort of reaction to Trump and this new discussion of immigration, wanting to adopt whatever the Trump doctrine seems to be on immigration, which is, um, you know, whether it's uh, deportation, building a wall or uh, getting rid of birthright citizenship, which you've seen Walker and Bush and others try to talk about. Fiorina, a variety of folks. Um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, it may or may not be a good strategy in terms of a primary. I mean, you see overall people want a, a path to citizenship, certainly with restrictions uh, among Republicans. It varies tremendously depending on how you you ask the question. Wall, Wall Street Journal found, you know, completely different results than Gallup, for example, um, depending on, you know, whether you say they should be granted citizenship or people should be allowed to become citizens if they, you know, work. In the country, I mean, there's a variety of different ways that people ask this. Um, Nonetheless, it's not universal that Republicans oppose, um, you know, any immigration platform other than deportation. Right? That's that is seems to not be true, depending, of course, on the outlet and how you ask it. So, is this a good strategy in terms of reaching Republican primary voters? I don't know. I mean, it depends really on you know how we're defining primary voters and how we're defining the issue.
0: Right. And it, it also has everything to do with how important that issue is to that voter. So the majority or half of Republicans take the position that there should be a pathway to citizenship. Um, and, and you know, that's that's in that in that Gallup study. That's a slight decline from 2006 when I think this came up as as an attempt the Bush administration attempted to implement a path to citizenship and got sort of blocked by folks in their own party in Congress. Um, you know, you, you've you seen a decline in in support for path to citizenship and an increase in this deport all position, but it's still, deport all is, is less than a third of Republican voters. So that's why when people are, this is, you, you know, instance number of 685 of no, Donald Trump does not represent the views of a majority of Republicans. With that said, that that half of Republicans that say path to citizenship, that may be issue like 17 on their list. They may, ah eh, path to citizenship is nice, but I'm not really clamoring for it. Whereas the people who are like deport all, this may be the thing that fires them up. And so that's why I think you're going to see folks, even though a majority of Republicans don't hold the position, starting to kind of tack in weird ways on immigration um, and kind of the the whole post-election 2013 report that the Republicans put together about needing to, be more thoughtful about immigration. We will see if anybody actually adheres to that. But th- Do you think this Trump also,
1: has read that report? <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think Trump cares about that report. But frankly, Trump's doing perfectly fine on his own. He doesn't need advice from pollsters like me. I know. Well, we're going we'll to talk later in the show. We're going to
1: talk about that fun nugget. I mean, you know, the other thing is it, whether it's on issues like immigration or, you know, abortion or some something else where people may try to, you know, adopt whatever – you know secret sauce that Trump has still he has clear it's clear that he has vulnerabilities and in, in it, you know CNN found a majority of republicans say they have a better chance of winning the presidency without Trump on the ballot without him on the ticket there've been a variety of polls whether it's Quinnipiac but there've been others showing three ways at PPP had a two three ways with the Clinton Trump and somebody else, and Trump's always the spoiler. You know, the, a Democrat will always win in those, or at least currently in the current polling. Um, y- you know, Sanders beats Trump in, in battleground states, according to Quinny He doesn't beat currently Rubio and Bush in those states. Um, so there's uh, there a lot of ways to look, cut this. <laughs> and all of them point to, you know, also there was another poll that showed him the least, you know, the least uh, likable candidate out of everybody i mean that that we saw i mean more people are like to say more people are, um are likely to say that they'd never vote for him than any other candidate i mean it doesn't really matter how different outlets are approaching this it seems to be a real real liability to the party even despite the fact that he has a plurality of the vote with whether it's 20 or 25% or 28% whatever it is
0: right this was the this is what we found after the debate right when we'd have polls where Trump both had the most num- the highest percentage of people who said he won the debate. And then you had him, he had the highest percentage of people saying he lost the debate. He's very polarizing. Um, in this Quinnipiac poll, by the way, the, the people who I think besides, besides Trump, who gets between 29 and 36% of Republicans saying they would never vote for him. Um, then you have Jeb Bush, who has between sort of 12 and 22% who'd say they would never vote for him. But the two... I think that are also that, that have large chunks of the party that are just not interested. It's Chris Christie and Rand Paul, the two who had sort of the most uh, potent fireworks during the Republican debate um it's clear that they do not like each other and if you have not yet had a chance by the way to watch the bad lip reading uh video of the republican debate i highly recommend everyone go check it out it has some great reenactment of the christy paul exchanges <laughs> but both both christy and paul they have been lackluster in the polls and both of them have a pretty high proportion of people in the party who say i would never vote for that guy
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe there's some winnowing. People want to have, you know, have candidates that are likable and the, you know, the group that wants the unlikable candidate, you know, the, the, you know, ultimately, uh, (laughs) you know, maybe outvoted by folks coalescing around one of the more likable ones, but we'll see. It's still clearly a feel that is, has a lot of volatility. The Um, the
0: last. The last thing I'll bring up on on all of this Trump stuff is on this question of electability. So we've talked a lot about the different ballot tests and how Trump matches up against all these people. So my Daily Beast column this week, I tried to take a look at this electability question because in 2008, Republicans, you know, John McCain had a terrible summer in 2008, but then eventually people came around to him and and gravitated back to him and he won. And he was supposed to be more electable than uh, you know he's supposed to be this totally electable candidate, uh, and then in 2012, you know, definitely Mitt Romney was seen as more electable than a Newt Gingrich or Rick Santorum, and both times the electable-ish candidate was not elected. So to what extent are Republicans actually concerned at all about electability this time? And there's a lot of polling that suggests Republicans don't care that much about electability, but perhaps even crazier, they actually view Trump as being pretty electable. So you know, in this, um, I think it was the CNN polling, you wound up having about 38% of uh, Republicans who think that Donald Trump would be better in a general election than anybody else against Hillary Clinton. It wasn't a majority, but you you still had, thirty. you had 58% who say we'd have a better chance with someone else. But 38% think Donald Trump is our best shot. Um, that's a lot of people considering how completely unelectable, in my mind, Donald Trump is, which just goes to show again that I'm one of those inside the Beltway pundits that doesn't know what she's talking about. But
1: well, he's doing I, I just... worse in the general election matchup. So, I mean, that makes him not, you know, less, it makes him less electable. Right. I mean, that's, that's clear. I mean, he can't win over independents. He can't peel off any Democrats. You know? Right.
0: So. Um, well, but, but then you take a look at some of these ballot tests. One of the ones I picked out, I think was from either, it might've been Fox news where, yeah, you have Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio doing better than Trump, but Trump's still coming within striking distance of some of these Democrats. And that to me just was very surprising. And I wonder if it's that Republicans just feel like the democratic field is more beatable than an incumbent Obama was. And so the threshold for electability is lower. I don't know, but this, it's, it seems interesting to me that it this time around, if you think about the candidates that are at the top of the ballot, it's Trump, it's Carson, it's Cruz, it's people that an objective assessment of the field would suggest these are not the electable candidates. And yet it's August. It's crazy. No one cares about electability. Um, the electable quote unquote guys are all buried way down on the pack. We will see if the fever breaks once uh, school starts again and we get back into the fall.
1: <laughs> Hit the books, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and decide to not vote for Trump. I mean, if you look at, I mean, you know, in terms of gender, I mean, this is another piece here. I mean, there's a much larger, the largest gender gap in the head-to-heads the, in the general election, according to CNN, is Clinton versus Trump, um, where she, you know, women favor Clinton by 23 points, men break in Trump's favor. I mean, if you're if you're talking about reaching out to women, um, you know, maybe the Trump strategy is to run up the run up the score with men, even if that means alienating women, where do you sh- do you shake up at the shake out at the same place or, or further back? Um, you know, the long view is, you know, hurting, hurting your chances with women is not a good strategy for the party. That's that was in the report that <laughs> I'm assuming that Trump didn't read. Um, so, you know, so uh, that's something to keep in mind. I mean, he does. Actually, we've seen some polls where Trump also leads with women. I mean, he's not last with women. He also leads with women but by, you know, a imperceptible, tiny margin, as opposed to with men where he does quite a bit better. And that's true nationally. That's true in some individual states, too.
0: So the other story that that has gotten Trump in a little bit of hot water with some conservative pundits is the Planned Parenthood story. So this week, um, another video came out from uh, the organization that has been periodically putting out videos uh, uh, about Planned Parenthood. And, um, you know, these videos have been getting a lot of attention in conservative circles, haven't been getting as much attention from sort of mainstream media. And so there've been some polls in recent weeks that we talked about on this show. Um, I think it was NBC wall street journal, where we found that of all the things that they tested, it was the NRA and Planned Parenthood that had the highest favorables yeah. that because, you know, whenever an organization has a strong base of support, Um, You know, that just sort of helped them out in in the in the standings in the poll. Um, So the question then is, to what extent has Planned Parenthood's brand um, or favorability been affected at all by the videos? And then has it affected people's thoughts on the public policy toward Planned Parenthood? There's now this big movement on the right. Um, There's been a movement to defund Planned Parenthood on the right for a while, but it's sort of catching fire. And conservatives are now saying this is our moment. So but Reuters conducted a poll where they suggest that that's a little more politically complicated, even given the fact that these videos have come out, have come out um, than some conservatives might think. Um, So overall, first Reuters, and they asked the question, do you support federal funding for a group that would provide women's health exams? Um, And 73 percent of people say yes. Uh, Then they said, would you support an unnamed group? getting federal dollars to provide prenatal services 69% say yes they gave an unnamed group and said would you support federal funding for a group that provides contraception 59% say yes so when you take uh, when you take all of the name out the things that that this money in this program this title 10 program go toward people are supportive of and they're supportive of federal funding going toward it and so interestingly and i always try to make this case when i'm talking to people even republicans support federal funding going to these ends, right? That they, yes. they're okay with federal funding going to women's health exams and prenatal services and contraception. Um, but when you ask it a different way, um, and you name planned parenthood, um, some more participants said they backed federal dollars for planned parenthood specifically to provide those services. So, so 54% said they supported federal funding of planned parenthood while 26% opposed it. Um, they found that 44%, if you were a respondent then that said you saw a video, um, 44% said that they then had a more negative view of Planned Parenthood as a result, while 34% said their views were unchanged. Um, After the videos were described to poll respondents, 39 percent said Planned Parenthood should not receive government funding and 34 percent said federal dollars should continue. And I actually couldn't find I'm wondering if they've released the um, exact wording. I'd like to know how they described the videos, because that could make a big difference in in, uh, how people respond. But yeah, I mean, right now there is majority support for funding for Planned Parenthood. And this is the dilemma that you find congressional Republicans in, where a lot of members are saying, this is the moment that we get public opinion on our side, and yet public opinion is not in support of defunding Planned Parenthood at the moment. Um, The question is, how far have the videos permeated and would they change minds? And at the moment, they have not permeated far enough or changed enough minds where you have majority support the other way. So this is this is the dilemma that, that congressional Republican leaders are in, right, where they have a lot of their members saying it's time to defund Planned Parenthood, but they're seeing the same data that we're seeing here where you even have a majority currently that say, no, we support funding for Planned Parenthood. And again, those favorability numbers we talked about a few weeks ago, where Planned Parenthood has a lot of favorability. And I've even found favorability in surveys I've conducted among Republican oh, women right. for the organization. So um, again, that is... this poll indicates that that would change if the videos are seen by more people. Um, But will the videos be seen by more people? That is an open question.
1: I mean, you even have 30% of Republicans say they support government, federal funding of Planned Parenthood. I mean, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's not a strat, a, a strategy for a Republican presidential candidate, but you see, you know, what appears to be uniformity among the presidential candidates and among Republican leaders on these issues. There doesn't seem to be comparable uniformity among Republican voters, um, certainly not among voters overall. It's far more nuanced. I mean, this is often the case. It's not the first time uh, we've had an issue with that is more um, nuanced with voters than among politicians. But it's definitely something that, you know, it, I think the perception on the left is that Republicans see this as an opportunity um, to talk about the defunding of pl- Planned Parenthood it doesn't seem to be a mandate for that video with, with or without the videos.
0: Um, so I, I think the the I'm really curious to dig into how the the videos were described because if after the videos were described, you still had thirty four percent saying federal dollars should continue and right. you had thirty nine percent saying they shouldn't so you you wind up it it it's not as clear it's I mean that's pretty thirty nine versus thirty four is pretty close um, it's certainly a change from forty five support twenty six opposed it's it is it's a big shift from the initial, but it's still not you know, 80% say we should defund Fan Parenthood. You have a lot of people saying I really don't know how I feel about this issue. Right. And,
1: you know, I've said this, but I'm not a huge fan of how Reuters shows their data on their website. But we should ask and see if we can get some get some detail and some clarity because they clearly asked a lot of stuff, you know, so we should we hopefully they can give us a little bit more info. and We can report back. But we always put the links in our show notes so you can find it. Uh, you can find it there. So now to the actual crazy stuff. Crazy town. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to crazy town. <laughs> Population, you and <laughs> all all of us (laughs) so there's been a lot of wacky stuff out in the world of polling and chit chat um, amazingly. And, you know, who knew that this could get so f- heated so far out from the election? I guess it's summer silly season. So um, you have Republican pollster Frank Lunt say that Trump uh, and also Bernie Sanders, but focusing more on Trump, was delivering a big F.U. to the elites in America. That's uh, in an interview with Politico. So he went on the record saying, you know, it's, it's uh, it says, you know, F.U. doesn't solve anything, he says. It doesn't make your life any better. It doesn't make you... It Make you feel good, but it doesn't actually uh, get you where you need to go. It doesn't make America strong. It doesn't solve anything. So he, you know, put a little bit of a fine point on this criticism of Trump that seems deserved. and, And certainly he's not the first to notice it that, you know, he doesn't have an actual plan. He doesn't have any actual policies. It's more of a of a an emotion that people are responding to. The the post had something interesting where, you know, it had like the number of times Trump um just, you know contradicted himself in the last couple of months and it just broke down the six different versions of his immigration quote unquote plan, the six different things he said about Obamacare and so on. Um so it's kind of a similar way of looking at that. Roger Stone, who's a Republican political consultant who I thought was no longer working with Trump, then attacked Luntz on Twitter Saying, you know, you, I mean, really cursing him out basically and saying, you know, you, uh, you know, tried to work for Trump and now you're trashing him. And, you know, and Trump then attacked Luntz, I think on Twitter as well, and said, you know, you shouldn't be, he, Luntz shouldn't be working for Fox. I mean, it seems, I don't know what the final resolution of this, it it definitely calls into question or highlights um, that Republicans' uh, establishment, are they coalescing against? Trump, or is he good for ratings and enthusiasm and interest? And, you know, is he offering lessons that other candidates can use? I mean, that's something that this little micro episode potentially can reveal. Um, what do you think of that as a Republican, as a Republican establishment yourself, Kristen? What do you think when you see all this fighting over the meaning of Trump and, you know, sort of the meaning of being a, a pollster, an an on-air pollster, sort of another leitmotif?
0: Well, so, so Frank Luntz is in this interesting position because he is perhaps the most public of the public, you know, pollster, Republican pollster figures. You know, when you say, when you think of a pollster, Frank Luntz is kind of who comes to mind. In a weird way, Frank Luntz is like the Donald Trump of pollsters, um, in that he's very famous uh, and has profited very greatly um, off of his success in the field. He's an entertainer, um, you know. So, th- so he's kind of polarizing in that regard, right? Like there are lots of members of Congress who love, love Frank Luntz because when he gives presentations, he kind of he kind of does this fu deal when he's giving a presentation about data. Um, and and there's a lot of people that they just they love it. They get a kick out of it, and they think he's great. Um, so in a weird way, you could argue that Frank Luntz is the Donald Trump. Of the political
1: polling world,
0: right. which is what makes this all the more fascinating to watch it unfold.
1: And same but it, thing it, true with Roger Stone. I mean, Roger Stone has been controversial for a long time. So, I mean, if any three guys were going to get into some sort of, you know, wacky Twitter fight, it almost seems like these might be these might be the guys.
0: And and I have to say, Franklin's has been nothing but very nice to me on Twitter. So I, I I don't mean this in any disparaging way to liken him to Trump. I just, I think there are a lot of characteristics that, that make the analogy work, that make this particularly amusing. Um, I, I do think that Trump's understanding of the political polling world is what cracks me up the most, that he has continuously said, if these pollsters were so good, why don't they run for office themselves? Um, so if I ever run for office, I'm putting that on my T-shirts, um, putting that on the bumper stickers. And then in, in I think in this past week, he said something to the effect of other candidates have pollsters. They pay these guys $200,000 a month to tell them, don't say this, don't say that. You use the wrong word. You shouldn't put a comma there. I don't want any of that. I go by my heart, a combination of heart and brain. Um,
1: yeah, he said that in all, a Maureen Dowd interview for the New York Times, and her yep. piece was Donald Trump diplomat. <laughs> so
0: first of all, of all the things wrong with that statement, first of all, do any campaign pollsters get $200,000
1: a month? I I'm assuming I, that's retainer, right? I'm assuming, I mean, I, I, that's, that's clear that that's what that has to be, right? So if it, that's... It, 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 I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, that doesn't – I mean, maybe, but I don't think so, right? I mean, I guess – I mean, if you were doing a
0: track – I'm trying to think about, like, if I was going to work for somebody and was going to do $200,000 a month of polling for them, how how many times would I have to be going into the field and with what kind of crazy sample size? I mean – I, I don't know. That just seems like an, a misunderstanding of the economics of polling. But you, you second- could
1: very easily, you could certainly spend two hundred grand a month on polling by doing nightly tracking and online advertising testing and some other kind of qualitative. Right. right, right. right. You could you know run up that bill a month, no sweat for a presidential campaign. Plus you have individual states and you know one-off projects. Right. Um, what you what you would not do is then charge two hundred grand a month on top of that for a retainer. I'm assuming, right? I mean that just seems like, you know, crazy town, but maybe somebody pitched him with that, with that dollar amount, who knows? Uh,
0: You know, maybe they did. Well, also, I mean, I think at this stage in the game, I'm sometimes I will play this game where I just troll through FEC reports just to see like, who's working for who, how much polling does it look like they're doing? And I don't know if at this stage of the game, any of these other guys have, have $200,000 a month to be spending, even if we're just talking that that's the bill for focus groups and surveys. Right. Um, I don't think that even the most well-heeled of the Republican candidates are likely forking over that much cash to their pollster. No,
1: we'd hear about it because somebody would be complaining.
0: Yeah, we'd we'd hear about it. Um, But then I think the other thing that cracked me up was the don't say this, don't say that, use the wrong word, you shouldn't put a comma here. (laughs) That to me we're not giving lessons in grammar <laughs>
1: God I wish somebody listened to all of my <laughs> grammatical minutiae. <laughs> that would be great <laughs> I would pay someone two hundred thousand dollars to finally listen to all of my grammatical edits
0: <laughs> so it so that you know it's it's not that serious no um, it
1: doesn't really make any sense but so you wouldn't you'd be forgiven if Seeing all this craziness in the news and, you know, seeing all these, you know, popular candidates not doing well and unpopular candidates being first and, you know— fields not being set to decide, you know what? Forget it. I'm voting for these nuts, (laughs) which is what about 10 percent of the electorate in general and three way matchups in a couple states have uh, have said, according to PPP, you know, I guess it's like a teenage boy joke. Right. And I've certainly never found it funny until now. Now, apparently, (laughs) I find it very funny because it's pretty ridiculous. And because apparently there is an actual person who filed in iowa and it's a 15 year old so he won't actually be able to run i guess we should be thankful for that um that these nuts can't actually win any contests <laughs> but <laughs> but nonetheless um he gets about 10 percent of the vote in iowa and north carolina i think minnesota and maybe someplace else
0: so there, the other thing that was pretty funny about that poll, um, I, somebody made a joke about it on Twitter and it took me a second to get it. Um, have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? No. So in the movie Idiocracy, it's, basically mike judge the guy who made office space he's got a movie that's about what he envisions america will be like 500 years from now and it's a, a totally you know brainless society where they water plants with Gatorade and it's just it's crazy um, but anyhow and the the president is a pro wrestler and his cabinet is all like morons and it it's just <laughs> bad and so a guy luke wilson gets transported accidentally uh, or he winds up in, like, hibernation for 500 years and wakes up. And he was a totally average guy in our present, but is, like, the most intelligent super genius of the future as a result. Um, and so his – when he winds up registering with the government, they they ask him some questions and he says, not sure. And so then they think that that's his name. So his name in this future society is not sure. <laughs> uh, so somebody posted on Twitter that Luke Wilson's character from Idiocracy gets – um, like 12% of the vote in North Carolina. And I'm looking at the crosstabs and I'm like, where is Luke Wilson? Where is Luke Wilson? <laughs> I don't see it. It was not sure. That's funny. So That's if good. you've seen the movie, it's funnier than if you haven't seen the movie. I apologize.
1: <laughs> no, no. I like the idea of, <laughs> of a pro wrestler and watering plants with Gatorade. I got it. I got, I got the good, I got it's a, a good image.
0: It's an interesting but depressing movie. It's frankly depressing because I don't think it's going to take 500 years for society to get there. <laughs>
1: Certainly not, judging by what we see right now. So, um, so, but turning to maybe some more positive news, there's a uh, study out by um, the website or the app called. Um, scout, which I've never heard of. Um, but ask people, what would you do for a friend? I guess it's an app where people find friends and there's all kinds of stuff that people would do for friends. Things that, you know, are all very nice, like helping somebody if your car breaks down, um, or watching your house, uh, sitting your cat. I was, you know, a majority said they'd sit a cat, uh, they'd sit your cat even if they were allergic. Actually, far more. 81% said they'd donate a kidney, which seems pretty high. Frankly, (laughs) if people were actually push came to shove, it seems a little high, but I guess that's good to know. Um, I was a little. Surprised by about 46% said they'd get a matching tattoo. I mean, that's not something I would I would do for no. anybody.
0: Friends, uh, I love you guys, but don't, don't ask me to do that.
1: I would never get a tattoo for you, Kristen. I'm sorry. But I would watch a cat and a help you if your car broke down. Um, and, you know, waxing, 84% of women said they'd help a friend with waxing. And 54% of men would help a man with manscaping. Uh- that- that seems a I'm little high I'm
0: baloney on this poll that
1: seems a little high what is scout have you heard of it is this you know is this all the rage these days and i just Honestly, don't know the reason
0: the reason i heard of it is back when uh, patrick and i were trying to name echelon and we were creating this like expansive list of every possible word that was out there i think scout was one of the words we had and then we saw that this thing existed and so we said no oh. we can't name our company that it wasn't high on the list anyways but that kind of ruled it out um, so i don't I don't know 100% what Scout is, but it seems like their users are very um, into Young. supporting their friends. On this <laughs> waxing question, by the way, I mean, I remember being in college and helping friends who we were trying to figure out, like, are my eyebrows symmetrical? Like, that that seems fine. There are other types of waxing that are not friend activities. (laughs)
1: No, I I think those are, you should leave those things to the professionals as my two cents. But I have gone with some people. I did go with two different friends for various piercings, of varying levels of intimacy. So, you know, I, but I didn't do them, which I think is what this question is about. I certainly would never do that. But, um, but, you know, I did go as m- sort of moral support um, for a few folks. So I guess it's like that. And when I was that age, I guess I would have said, sure, that's, you know, that's not a problem. Um, but this wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think to put that on, you know, on the question, which I guess it's just a sign that I'm not, I'm not the age group of the reg- regular scout. Scout user, Um, but it's still pretty funny, and it definitely you know ends us on a little bit more of a positive note. But you know, even forty percent said they'd break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend because their girl good friend didn't like him or her. That's that's pretty high. I mean, these are thirty eight percent would move to a different city. I mean, these are pretty. These are some pretty high levels of commitment to friends, which I guess is good news. And so it's in celebration of National Friendship Week, which I didn't even know was a thing. So. Um, so anyway, I think those are some ways you can reconnect with your friends. Go give them a call and say, you can give them a kidney or help <laughs> wax their eyebrows. <laughs> um, so, so what are the key findings this so week? The key findings this week, maybe, in a few, you know, with all this turmoil, maybe in a few weeks we'll be talking about Biden versus Fiorina. Who knows? Um, given Trump's vulnerabilities, Republican candidates may not want to follow him off the issue cliff. For $200,000 a month, Chris and I will help you figure it all out and we'll even split it. Giving you a real bargain. And <laughs> friendship may mean help with waxing or in ca- or cats, but in DC it means Twitter fights, splitting big retainers, and of course writing Amazon or iTunes reviews.
0: <laughs> Review our podcast. That's right. Our-
1: new followers, new listeners.
0: And you can follow us on Twitter at, at Margie O'Meara and at KSoltis Anderson, or you can follow news from the show at, at The Pollsters. We're also on Facebook where we post lots of fun links and stories uh, that we come across during the week. We're at thepolsters.com, and you can subscribe via any of your uh, preferred podcatcher services.
1: Great. See you next week. Have a good one,
0: guys.